They, they've kind you know, every, everything's taking its toll, so they've run out of, like, paper towels. So they'll disinfect the carts, and you grab the cart. And, and they're wet. What? And it's just like, It's oh, off-putting. It's a little oh. off-putting. And it's like, actually, But that's probably the cleanest your hands exactly. have ever been. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is the cleanest cart I've ever touched. Right. This is, let, it, it's a strange phrase, but this is a good wet I, I haven't been to Walmart in a while, but I've, I've heard the carts are cleaner than they have ever oh, been God. in, Dude, in, in all true. the years. But man, it's just awful walking in that, the, the, your hands holding that wet cart and you're just like, uh, uh, every, every cell in your body is screaming. Uh. Welcome folks to Geek Shock number 535. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Good wet K. <laughs> and we're here to talk week and gig. I hope everybody's staying safe out there. I know some uh, states are starting to ease restrictions. Yeah. Uh, could put some places back to zero. Let's just wind the clock back two months. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I guess kind of a grand experiment, but I, I do implore everybody to i know i know it gets rough it's been a while you've been at home for a good long time you're itching it's it's still as dangerous as it has been and i know a lot of people there's not that dangerous blur the blur car crashes per year uh i, I always find it interesting when that's, when that's all the, cor- well, that's correlation not causality well not only that but they're saying we we lose x amount of people we lose 50,000 people a year to this and that. And I'm like, we lost 50,000 people in a month. Imagine how that expands out to a year. Yeah, and there's also the fact that, that you know, the, the number of car people who die in car crashes have been brought down because we've done precautions. Yes. Because we've done seat belts and airbags and anti-drunk driving campaigns and all sorts of shit. And it's... It's, it's like we actually, you know, we've changed drinking laws for teenagers precisely because it, it's not a moral thing. It's not to keep this high school seniors from having a good party. It's because of drunk driving and car crashes. We do that. So, you know, things have been done. And it, it uh, oh, I saw a few people justifying Trump's comments mm-hmm. on the disinfectant. Oh, that's been fun. To oh watch. my god! And it's just—he was just being sarcastic. Don't you guys yeah. understand sarcasm? It's, and I'm like, it's his process. It's how he Trump runs doesn't understand sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also, you know, it, it, uh, because Burks yeah. was explaining that this is how he comes to understand things. It's his thought process. It's how he questions through things. And I'm and I'm just sitting there thinking. Yeah, but you don't do it at a press conference. Yeah. That's the that's not the time to shoot know. the moon. Just so now, she made some good statements because yeah. she said, uh, "We need to be talking about this this weird ass clotting thing that mm-hmm. we're discovering, which is which is not not a typical virus thing." And there are things we need to talk about, and this isn't it. And she's right about that, which is why he really should fucking stop doing the goddamn yeah. press conferences. Yeah, well, he has but, so and and. and and oh god, dude! I was reading one. I I thought it was parody, because these these guys were talking. These Trumpists were talking 
I can't imagine the amount of strain and pressure he's feeling right now and what he's going through every day. And it must be very hard for him. So, you know, you can only imagine that, that, that it can be, sometimes it's a little hard for him to organize his thoughts. I know I would have a hard time if I was up there. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, Christ. <clears throat> Christ. To, uh, uh, I just want to reiterate that it is really serious. Uh, so far, I have lost one friend to this disease, and oh, I nearly yeah. lost my, my niece. Uh, she, wow. Yeah, she uh, went in uh, in bad shape. And uh, her heart stopped. They got it back. Uh, and she has since recovered, but they nearly lost her. Niece. Niece. So it can hit. You don't know. It's, it's, it's a goddamn loaded gun is what it is. Uh, yes, uh, a lot of people that get it will be fine with it, but we don't know who the people are that won't. The people that start showing symptoms, though, that's the scary thing. That's almost a 40% mortality rate when you start, like, if you're needing to be hospitalized. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. That means that only 60-ish percent of the people that go into that hospital are going to come out of there when they start developing these serious symptoms. And everybody keeps talking about, oh, it's not any worse than the flu. Even my, my sisters, both are nurses. Uh, one of them is working in a hospital, and she's scared to death. Yeah, she is frightened out of her mind. She works in a neonatal unit, so she's oh. she's in a in an area of the hospital that is mostly separated from the rest of the hospital, and they don't do cross staffing, you know, to protect the children, you know, young children. But at the same time, she's scared because it's not an isolated. Oh. It's not an isolated air uh, conditioning the system, filtration last, system. Last time I talked to Maple Leaf face to face, he and Paulette actually dropped some food off, uh, some extra food. I worry about Matt. And uh, every day. He was grim because mm-hmm. at that point he had personally witnessed two people die from it. Yeah. And he said, it's horrible. And he, he, and you know, you know how Matt will get when he's got that. When he's when Matt gets actually mad, he's yeah. got that deep down quiet simmer yeah. going, and like his his whole skin kind of starts turning a little reddish. Yeah, and yeah. but and, he, and his face just he gets stone. He, he becomes faced. the, the flag of Canada. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he he was like, I'm really mad at people who say this is just a flu because this is yeah. this is nothing like that. He's it, he just. I, I only know one person. Uh, we we oh, know yes. that one individual, uh, uh, Todd. That's that's as close as it's come to me so far. But it it's just I don't know. I yeah. can't. I, I, it's real. It's nasty. It's infectious. Stay home. And if you you're not concerned about it, uh, look to somebody in the medical field and and I'm they'll concerned. put it in perspective I, for you, guys. I, I've I shared. A, I work I, in a casino. When the casinos mm-hmm. reopen, oh yeah, I'm 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 very. Con- I want to see you guys. Concerns. You guys. I don't know how in masks and gloves <laughs> serving food. Might, <laughs> how it goes? Might be how it goes. I I, I, I don't. Can't, I, I can't imagine. I literally don't know how it's going to happen. I can't imagine. But you know, you're going to be walking around and. <laughs> hazmat suits. I fucking Christ. Because the kind of service that I do. 
I'm right next to the guest. Yes. Like, we're I'm going to get you one of those. Like, you know, you know, when you go into like a, a toy store and they have that little trigger thing with the shark yeah. mouth that opens and closes? Yes. That's how you're going to serve your food with a little go. shark mouth it'll extender. Be, well, it'll they be have the, ones that, you know, you pull a grip, it's got the little hand on the end. So you pull the, the different trigger ah, for the yes. different fingers. That would be awesome. Is you return the work and they're like, we've installed something here at. <laughs> And uh, this is how it works from now on. And you have like a stall. Jeff, this is your stall. And you put your hand in the little gripper things. And from the ceiling, shit is just like, wee, wee, wee. See? All that crane game stuff works. <laughs> and Play know, crane games. It's I'm, the way of the future. I'm in a team service environment, too. So I'm very close with all of my coworkers, especially when we're severing tables. You know? There's, there's no way we can do our job with a six-foot separation. Yeah. Not well. to mention new studies that are saying that areas with a high pollution content, the particulate particles yes. in the air, right? It hasn't, it you know, it hasn't been definitively proven, but they're starting to see scary it, it results to that it can cling to pollutants. Yeah. And you're talking like thirty feet, right? That oh, that could travel on the on the flip side. Uh, the thing I was reading about Burks trying to, you know, <laughs> make her way through the Trump minefield, she mentioned that they they were looking at uh, aerosolizing, and apparently where Trump got the UV radiation thing is they're concerned about aerosol where it becomes really really tiny water droplets in the yes. air and it can float further than six feet, yep. but when it's outside during the day, the UV light apparently does actually have a mitigating effect and kills the virus quicker. Yes, it does. So, so it's it's actually they're discovering that in bright sunshine, daylight, and stuff like that, there can be a mitigating effect towards transfer over a distance. So the, heat, the heat is only partial because the virus can only live within a certain temperature range. Right. But yes, the UV and the direct sunlight. I, I, I read somewhere over 77 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. You wash your hands. Well, that's the whole reason your body gets a fever when you get right, sick. Right, it's right. trying to elevate yeah. your body temperature so that the virus can't survive. Mm -hmm. so and... and, and once again, folks, even will, bacteria, same thing. I will say this again: uh, the Asian Boss videos. I posted these a while ago. Asian Boss on YouTube. The first two that will come up in its playlist is the conversation with the infectious disease director in Korea, and he really gives. It's subtitled. You got to listen to Korean and read English. Get over it. It's actually informative. And this kid, this fucking kid, 20-something dude who's doing this interviewing, is, does a nice job of getting questions in that get answers that we're kind of looking for. And you will find these two videos, because they did a follow-up video uh, a week ago. You will find these two videos very informative on the whole science of virology and, and the whole... The whole uh, thing. So, so I, I can't suggest enough. Watch those videos. That, in the fact, in the second video, they commented that in the first video, he, they actually discussed masks. And then, like, within a week, the CDC was like, wear masks. It's okay. No, it's... it's and it, it, it was yeah. actually kind of funny. So It is to the point where we're going to have to start wearing masks in public. It's just, it is. 
At least for a little while. At least for a little while. Yeah, till the till this all gets uh, figured out how to fight it and how to get rid of it, and or at least how to deal with it. Yep. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, gentlemen, <laughs> yeah. what geeky things you do this week? Uh, I've been catching up on Bleach. Ah, the anime. Bleach. Yeah, the anime Bleach. Oh, I thought maybe you, you finally found a story yes. that had it back in stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just going to gargling. <laughs> well, I hear that's good um, for you. Yeah. Not. Sar- well, yeah. That's that's sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what right. the kids call sarcasm these that, days. That, by the way, I want that to become the new thing from now on. Instead of when somebody is really off the QAnon uh, cliff, instead of saying they've drunk the Kool-Aid, they've drunk the bleach. <laughs> so, um, dun, 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 dun. Sarcasm. But uh, I've been watching that, which is really cool. Nice anime fun. It... Uh, there, there's still there's still some little tropey st- storytelling bits that drive me nuts. Okay. So you know, long prolonged uh, moments to build tension and shit like that, and uh, but nevertheless, I like the world building, and I like I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed the watching it. Lots of sword fights and uh, you know martial arts magic. I'll take fight. swords for a thousand, Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can never not do that. Uh, I know. No. <laughs> yeah. We're very aware. Yeah, that's ain't that the truth. Um <laughs> let's see. What I, I actually started writing shit down because I keep forgetting, you know, stuff that I've I've watched. So uh I rewatched Event Horizon. Ah. One of the Lovecraftian uh YouTube videos got me Yeah, I'll watch that again. It's been decades. Since I watched it last. I still need to see that. And it was really funny because watching that and remembering the promo about At, uh, at the Mouths of Madness and this other one called Possession, Sam Neill has done a lot of Lovecraftian type the, movies. Yes, he has. Dude, Sam Neill's been around for freaking ever. Well, I, 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 I saw I, him in something the other day. He was like in his 20s. I, well, and yeah, I was just oh, like, possession. oh my God, how young Dude, he is. Possession's from the 70s. Yeah. He's a fucking kid. Yeah. But, you know, prior to that, I would have tipped the hat to Jeffrey Coombs. But I'm telling you, I think Sam Neill has done more Lovecraftian shit than Jeffrey Coombs Oh, oh wow, that is saying something. He's just, he's all over the place in these movies. Especially but, the bigger movies. Yes. Well, yes. But is, Poor but is Sam Neill as cool as Jeffrey Coombs? Well, Jeffrey you know Coombs what, is pretty damn cool. Let's, let's not, let's not. I've, I've hung around the guy more than a few times. Oh, and he's, wow. Uh, he's very friendly. Oh, Jeff's oh, boy. Got, the, got the connection. Back at, yeah. No, back of the experience. Oh, well, yeah. actually, oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Actually, after the experience closed, he did recognize yeah. me and <laughs> at the con. Yes, he asked, was like, you're the guy who the works with Darren, the bartender. Probably. No, I just, I, I, I remember running into him at like a convention about a year. Actually, it was a little more than a year after. I think it was, I want to say it was two years after we closed, and he asked how I was doing if I'd found a job and all that stuff. So I that, thought that convention, was, but he's he's just cool to chat with. I've I've chatted with him once or twice, uh, well, a couple of times at the experience, and then once or twice outside of. But he's I remember just freaking cool. Two thousand ten, that was that was an interesting convention year. Yeah, that seemed to me. I remember it as one of the funner ones, one of the ones I enjoyed. Yeah. Most we we were still coming off of that that uh, post closing unity. Yeah, everyone's together high and stuff like that, and it, it was actually oh, 
you're gonna be all right, Todd. I, I, I just everyone together high. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was an all-time high. Yeah. All right, a, a deep, <laughs> deep cup James Bond reference wow. from Jeff there. Good lord. So anyway, yeah, I watched Event Horizon, and uh, interestingly enough, this week I saw a. Jeffrey Combs thing and a Sam Neill thing this week. Whoa. Wow, you like that. That's I, nice. I, I did watch In the Mouths of Madness again. I love it. It's one of my favorite uh, Carpenter films. And then he's all, uh, Coombs is in a episode of Creepshow on Shudder. Nice. Ah. And so, uh, again, highly recommended. And it's uh, coming to AMC for those who don't get Shudder uh, this, this coming month. So watch out for it. Uh, it is definitely worth your while, especially if you're a fan of the original Creepshow. It, it completely right. apes that style. I want to watch Prince of Darkness. Ah, yes. Because I keep forgetting occasionally, like I think you mentioned it to me once or something, and this uh, these video reviews I've been watching it, I got a full face full of it. It's not a Dracula movie. And it's sort of like, I keep, I keep like, eh, you know, I keep, I don't want, but then then i then i you know find out all over again it's not a dracula movie it's part of the apocalypse trilogy yeah exactly that's what that was the context that i was watching it on so so yeah i uh, and it looked actually intriguing it looked actually interesting so god knows i've seen the thing looks like it's available on hulu i might have to let you watch it one of these days oh boy I did a fun thing just today, and it's partly a, a banana splat to Jeff Harris because he's the one that let me know about it. Uh, today is uh, launch day for Jeff Strand's new book, The Odds, uh-huh. and he did a uh, a live all-access con. Uh, Pacific time is from uh, uh, about, uh, 3 to 5, so I did it just before coming here, and he read a... Uh, Jeff Strand uh, read a chapter of the book and then had a question answer afterwards and then a question answer session with the artist who just so happens to be his wife and she is amazing at her book work. Um, and it was just it was just a fun time because Jeff Strand is just a fun dude to listen to. He's If you're not familiar with his work, he does mostly horror, but he does other things as well. But almost everything he writes has a tinge of comedy to it one way or another. So they're very entertaining reads. And they're really inexpensive, too. He's, uh, he now pretty much self-publishes all of his work. So if you're getting it digitally, you, their books cost like two ninety nine each. So super fun reads and super cheap. So, so yeah, I got to watch uh, one of my favorite authors uh, with Jeff Harris also. Uh, Jeff Harris won one of the stickers that they were throwing out there. Oh, my. So, yeah, good job, Jeff. Yay, of course, Jeff. we ended up all winning because then we all got stickers at the end. So, yay. <laughs> Yay. Participation trophy. Participation trophy. <laughs> That's right. We're all winners. So, uh, yeah, his wife, Lynn Hansen, uh, amazing artist. I've always loved Jeff Strand's cover art, and I never realized it was his wife that was doing it. So that I learned something today. So, yeah, the odds. And uh, this one is more of a thriller style versus horror, uh, as he puts it more of the uh, psychopath playing games genre. Like the first Saw movie or the uh, the movie uh, Game Night. I want to play a game with you. So that kind of style, uh, with a with a Vegas edge to it. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to try that. Although I'm still reading The Fisherman, about halfway through it, that continues to be a fantastic read. I am loving The Fisherman by Jeff Langan. Uh, if you love horror, get it. 
It is part cosmic horror, part quiet horror, part folk horror, and boy, is it good. So, so far, my highest recommendation. Again, I haven't finished it yet, so, but uh, it's, it's just, if you like those styles of, of novel, yeah, don't miss it. It's great. 2016 Bram Stoker Award winner, and mm. obviously deservedly so. Wow. Uh, one other thing I did this week is, remember we talked about Pong Quest? The, yes. Uh, the, yes. the game from Atari that takes Pong and turns it into an RPG uh, that came out a couple of days ago. Oh. So I decided for the sake of the podcast, I'll go ahead and get it. So I, I got it on Steam. Okay. Because it's only available on Steam so far. And it's really okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not look the look on your face it's really okay <laughs> it's, it's, your whole demeanor changed it's not awful it's not great um if if i could describe it uh think of overworld movement like zelda all right but when you run into a monster you fight a game of pong against that monster that that you're a you're a paddle that you can dress and you can ha- choose various uh, styles of balls for your powers, uh, healing balls, uh, triangle balls, um, leech balls. Leech balls are fun. Ooh. Uh, but of course, the monsters you fight are like giant mosquitoes and spiders, but they all look like pong paddles in some way. And they're just, it's, it's pong. It's, it's, RP, it's like, like we described wow. it, RPG pong. However, so far... The excitement wears off pretty quick because it's it, it's pong, it's 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 not adding a whole lot of extra element to it. You think? <laughs> and <laughs> it's pong. Uh, you're, you're controlling it with basically the arrow keys or the WASD controls. Oh no! So it's not like good paddle control that you kind of need with pong to make it feel right. Mm. Right. So the, the, yeah, the movement is is not great. Wow. And switching between your balls. <laughs> uh, juggling your balls, if you will, mm. is not the easiest thing to do. Well, you're telling her. <laughs> it gets a little salty after a while. <laughs> I'm still stuck on the balls of healing. That's yeah, uh, well. <laughs> try, yeah. try explaining that to your date sometime. Yeah. But baby, my balls have healing properties. <laughs> Let me show you. There you go. <laughs> um, I uh, did uh, the uh, watch party for the Blob. Oh, with nice! With the fun, gang, fun, fun, fun. <clears throat> we, uh, we, we. This is we, the '80s Blob. This is the '80s Blob. Um, and it's an uh, interesting film. I yeah. mean, it's it's not. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great film. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as terrible as I remember. No, no. I I missed the watch party. I found out about it too late. I was like, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Andy would pop in and then pop out and then go, what happened to the sound? And I can't get sound and pop in and pop out again. And Sounds like an Andy thing. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, we uh, we watched uh, The Blob. Saw a very, uh, very young... Um, I always call him Bunny because that was his character in Platoon, Kevin Dillon. And uh, Shawnee Smith, who is sort of a little... Bit of a bit of an '80s TV movie staple back in the day, and uh, it was interesting watching that and seeing what little bits that they, you know, tips of the hat they did to the original movie, <clears throat> too. So, and then of course they '80s fight it by 
making it all corporate conspiracy and everything, which was really funny because I'm sitting here watching as it's like corporate conspiracy. They're releasing a virus and they got to shut down the town. And well, what do, what do we do with the people in the town when we shut it down? Oh, they're expendable. And I was just like, wow, <clears throat> this thing predicted the yeah. Republican Party line uh, about 30 years early. So it was it was interesting. What else you do, guys? Uh, watching uh, still a lot of theme park videos on YouTube. Oh yeah, coming little, across like little armchair vacation. Yeah, one of the interesting things I keep coming across on those is is things that are in theme parks that have passed that passed long before I got to go to some of them. Like you know things that were on the Universal Studios tour that aren't sure. anymore, or things that were at Disneyland that are no more. Or and original so forth. Epcot stuff. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, going, oh, I wish I'd have been able to check that out. Or sometimes you're like, wow, I didn't really miss much on that one. Sure. And, and for those of us that got to experience that at some point in our youth, like like the Horizons at Epcot when, when I was there as, kid, yeah. as a kid, it was my favorite ride there. Loved it to death. And of course, it, it got demolished. And so I love that it still exists in virtual form in that regard. I one of the ones I was very aware of when I went back to Universal was, uh, uh, I guess, Confrontation was the official name for the one in Florida. Yes, Universal, but the King Kong encounter that was part of the Universal Studios tour in Hollywood was really cool. I really liked that. I mean, yeah, you could tell the gorilla was fake; it's a big giant animatronic, what? but it was cool. since when? It was really neat watching this giant animatronic interact with the the quote-unquote bridge that you're on in this in this tram and and so forth and you know obviously that did get destroyed by fire so it's not really something that was you know taking out for the, or taken out for the reasons of being replaced with something new and improved right. or whatever yeah, so something um, out of their control oh that that <clears throat> that wasn't the backdraft um backdraft thing that was, destroyed it no backdraft was removed which i thought was was uh, disappointing um, for it was replaced with the the Transformers ride, but you know, Ooh. you know, some people really like it. That it's not a bad ride. It's just I I really liked that warehouse thing where you're watching the whole uh, recreation of the warehouse scene from the end of Backdraft, where all these things are exploding and, and the fires everywhere, and it's really cool. But uh, the Kong ones always stuck with me because. They replaced it with that 3G, 3D projection thing that was uh, the Peter Jackson King Kong. And it's cool. I mean, it's okay. But there was just something about that that King Kong animatronic with the banana breath that was that was really neat. You know and what? Then, Try as they might. And they've tried. And, I mean, I haven't done the new Star Wars ride at Disneyland. But you can't fool my brain in thinking a television is 3D. Yeah. In any point, whenever you're th showing me a movie, even if it's you give me 3D glasses, I'm still quite aware that you're projecting something on the screen and it does not feel like I'm in that environment or that thing is in that environment. Like the Nemo ride, uh, the yeah. submarine ride is awful, in my opinion, because I feel like, oh, great, it's a submarine ride past a bunch of TVs. True. And so, and, and, and that's where a lot of this stuff has gone. Like the, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Toy Story. Uh, video game ride 
Oh, uh, the one at California Adventure. Yeah, um, it, the same thing. It was like it's not fun for me to ride your TV ride. If if you, I mean, I know you're going to incorporate animatronics with TV stuff. Great, I can still tell what the TV stuff is. And come on, people, technology is not that good with it yet. It's getting better, but you're not there yet. So you're not fooling me. God, I'm trying to remember. There was another one I was going to talk about, and I can't remember what it is now. But they need to give everybody VR VR goggles, and then just put them on a bunch of chairs on a platform and shake a platform and. <laughs> Yeah, even when yeah, even when do I'm doing VR, and as, as impressive as modern VR is, right. I'm still very aware I'm looking at a screen every every single time. I, I'm I can't get that far immersed in it. Well, I think it's that, impressive. I, but yeah, I think that's your problem. It is my Todd. problem. It might be. Yeah, your mileage may vary, but I'm I can only <laughs> speak from what I experience, and what I experience is part of this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to talk about. Uh, Back through, I want to say, the late 90s, they had, I think it shut down like 95, 96. I'd have to ask Vernon on this one. He'd probably know better. But they used to have at Universal in Hollywood the Star Trek Adventure, which was this a series of things that Universal had done where they would take people from the audience and put them in a quote-unquote mini-movie. You know, they did that with episodes of Emergency in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, they did that with a few other... Universal Properties, but uh, this one was, if you got there early enough, they would pick people from the audience, you'd go in and you'd get dressed up in Starfleet attire, and they would take new narration from William Shatner and mix it in with clips of Star Trek 2 and 3. You had a, a half moon section of the Enterprise bridge that my dad and I got to go on and do, and so we got dressed up, got to do that, and then they pick people and they dress them up in Klingon garb, and and then they cut all these little individual elements that they film in front of the audience together into this little, I think it's only like 10, 15 minutes long episode. Uh, it's an original story that they made out of that. So that was really cool. I still have the videotape somewhere. I think we paid like $50 for this thing back in 1993. So it was still the, the most expensive VHS tape I've ever bought. But um, <laughs> it was really neat. I and, don't know. Uh, Did you price porn back in the... Uh, no, I know. In the I, 90s? I was in my those 20s. Are expensive videotapes. I was in my 20s before I figured out how much those things cost. That, that's, that's what they call price to rent. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> which is a whole another video series I came across where they talk about the whole VHS, no, not porn, but just the whole VHS notion where studios putting movies on VHS and pricing them so that only rental companies could buy them and then loan them out. That's, then, it's rather and interesting. And freak shows like us were like, ha ha, sure. I own this movie for $150. Wasn't it Top Gun was the one that was first priced Gun, down to yeah, human Yeah, Top Gun levels? was the... The first mass marketed one where they put it price to own it was like twenty dollars, like nineteen ninety nine. That's why but, it was popular. <clears throat> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I remember my Take mom, that, Matt, save I, lives. That was an interesting. I remember my mom went out and bought that one for my dad, uh, and that was one of the first times I remember because we would occasionally buy them at the the rental store. They would discount them down to like five dollars or whatever. We would buy some of the previously owned movies but uh yeah that was really cool now i have been playing a lot of minecraft 
I mean, I'm on I'm on two different servers now. Oh. <laughs> Yes, but we want to hear what you've been doing to Barry's Oh, server. Oh, oh, yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> so I finally found Barry's base. Um, <laughs> first, I was wrong. Uh, I thought it was Barry's base. Uh, it turned out to be Deb's base. So oh. I gave Barry's birthday present to Deb Oh, and told her to keep it because she deserves it more than he does. Oh, okay. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I made a, a super nice bow, a block of diamonds, and a rainbow sheep, which is a... If you know how to name a, if you name a sheep Jeb underscore, uh, it turns it into a rainbow sheep because Jeb is the name of the head programmer over at Mojang right now. I'm going to let you finish your story, but. No, you're not. <laughs> don't let me forget the rainbow thought when you're done there. The rainbow thought. Yeah. Rainbow just, just, thought. just, bring, just right. bring it back up. Okay. I'm just thinking okay. rainbow thoughts. So I had, to, if following maps and where people are in Minecraft is a whole issue thing, but damn it, I did it. And I was able to track down where Barry lives. And it was fun because at first he didn't know I was there because if you, if you sneak in Minecraft, your name doesn't appear above you because otherwise you can see people's names with their within view. So you can see where they are even before you can see their character, like through walls. But if you sneak... Your name disappears. And so here I am, sneaking up on Barry's property, and Barry is working on some kind of automated cow farm or something. And so I keep going around the corner with Barry's bow that I made for him and sniping him with it. Uh, and, <laughs> and it sets you on fire, that bow. <laughs> now, mind you, I only hit him once before I had to log off real quick so then when i logged back on i saw barry was in one place so i started <laughs> ran up to him and started casing him in stone uh what and, and you that, can do that uh, if if they're not aware sure but he came aware real quick okay and started beating me with his sword <laughs> now un now unfortunately for barry i've been spending most of my time just enchanting everything i own so uh i've i've got enchantments that cause you to well, bounce back damage if, if you get hit. Is that the I'm rubber, you're glue enchantment? It, it's called thorn. It, it's pretty much, they call it thorns, you know, just to, just for concise reasons. Oh, my God. So after a couple hits, he died. Um. <laughs> so you're saying he killed himself by attacking you? Uh, no, because I wasn't taking it, so I took it oh. out with a sword. But... Oh. <laughs> But it was in his base, so we just respawned there, and I nice. I put all the stuff in the chest, and it was like okay. And I I gave him some magic books for his trouble, and Aww. so on. And nice. But that night after he logged off, I logged back on, <laughs> and I went back to his base. And he stole everything. No, no. It, okay. It, it's, it's kind of a rule on the server: you don't steal other people's stuff. You work hard for stuff in Minecraft, so you leave people's stuff alone. You don't destroy people's stuff. You don't steal it. Uh, but you can mess with things. And there is a creature you can build, a golem, uh, called a snow golem. It's two blocks of, st of, of snow and then a pumpkin on the top and immediately turns into basically a snowman. And what's wonderful about that snow golem is that whenever, wherever it wanders, it leaves a trail of messy, ugly snow behind. Uh, so I put 20 of those in his base. So, so when Barry logged on, he logged on to a winter wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> indoors and out oh um, no I, I i'm sure he's killed most of them uh but probably missed a few still <laughs> oh, you missed a perfect opportunity to put a chet quote 
on the on the wall of his. It's snowing in my bedroom. <laughs> I don't think he would have gotten that quote, but but you're right. So instead, I just put the lyrics to "Walking in the Winter Wonderland" both in uh, English and French throughout his in signs oh, okay. around his his place, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, I, I didn't. You know, me talking about it doesn't necessarily do it all justice. Uh, so I took my new found recording tools and I just walked around his base and made a video of all the quote unquote damage I did to his base. And I'll be posting that up on the shock monkeys layer for everyone to see. Oh boy. So I don't think there's any, uh, any vocal in it, uh, cause I haven't figured out that much about it, but oh, so I know enough great. to create a video and post some pictures so I can at least share because Barry won't acknowledge yeah, the, the most he got was like, nice snowman. That's about well, all I got out <laughs> of text from him because he's not going to give me satisfaction. But I know it's annoyance because if you punch one of the, if you hit one of these snowmen, they start throwing snowballs at you. <laughs> they, they don't damage you, but they're real annoying and real insistent. So I figure if he starts punching one, they'll all start just getting oh real up in his face with snowballs. So I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a bother at all. Wow, wow! I I just I love the 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 sneaky arrow shot turn him on fire because you know back in in uh, Houston there was this what motherfucker you know just just this out of nowhere scream as he suddenly realizes he's on fire yeah and there's no idea where it came from although I'm sure he heard arrows going by him. That's something you. That's, 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 that's something you hear and know, because skeletons shoot you in that game, and they scare the crap out of you when they do. So, whenever you hear a bow, that's what it is. Ninety percent of the time, you need a. You need now. You need like a, just a phantom bow thing that you can set up that just sits there and shoots. So all you you hear arrow shooting at you. Oh. but you don't necessarily get hit. You can make that with dispensers. That is possible. You, <laughs> that is possible. It just. And just that, and you—you you also, oh, dude, you know what you got to do? Oh, what? You got to set up, go in his base, and like in certain hallways, just put that little random. What are you doing? Oh, if only I could. You know, I don't have that kind of control. <laughs> Wouldn't that, that would, just be awesome? That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, just Barry walking around his base, constantly hearing, "What are you doing?" Hey, hey. Now on the other side, uh, Professor Addy has set up a server Uh and so i've done a little bit on that one as well so i I, i'm kind of bouncing my time between the two uh and uh this is all leading to something else Uh, this is my first time bringing this up because it's been really cloudy up till now Uh, i've started a twitch channel uh so yeah so this is the first time ever letting it out there i i still don't really know what i'm doing on it so i might be on every now and then i might in a lot of times i'm not uh, but I'll, I'll try to let people know if I'm going on there. It's it's the it's exactly the Twitch channel you expect. Master Torgo, one word. That is the name. So uh, so at other hijinks that I get up with Barry and so on, I will probably try to do those live uh, for anyone who wants to see those happen in real time. Oh my nice. god! Um, so again, I, I I don't have any video camera set up, so there's no webcam involved. Uh, but I think I have audio set, but I haven't tested it with somebody on there to know if it works or not. So 
that's so far the only thing I've got planned on this Twitch channel is uh, doing some Minecraft stuff on there and maybe the occasional um, Jackbox party game, which everybody can get involved in when we do those. Yeah. So if I, if I do those, I'm going to let these guys know we're doing it. And so that way you can play Jackbox with the Geek Shot gang on the Woo-hoo. Master Torgo channel. So. So yeah, that's happening. All right. So and again, I've got a lot of bugs to figure out. I've never done anything like this before, so it's it is a work in progress. So bear with me. Uh, but so if this stuff interests you, it's there for to to compete with all the other things that are competing for your attention. Very nice. Very nice. <clears throat> anything else, gentlemen? Well, yeah, Jeff, I was going to rainbow mention. thought. Yes. Rainbow thought. Okay, so. Uh, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but Steve Martin has been posting videos of himself playing banjo on uh, Twitter, and I think it's been cross-posted to YouTube, but just kind of a way to kind of distract us from all the craziness going on. Uh, A couple days ago, on the Muppets YouTube channel, they had uh, Kermit, uh, whoever the Kermit puppeteer was, doing kind of a recreation of that style because uh you, you see steve martin he walks up you can see him he's turning on the camera sits down plays the banjo then goes walks back up to turn the camera off so it's him filming himself and they did that same style but kermit plays rainbow connection um it's just him and singing in the banjo and I'd, it's just I've seen... really really kind of like th- i was i was having a day um, and I came across that, and that really kind of brightened it up for me. And so, wonderful. If you ever need a little pick me up, Kermit or Steve Martin playing the banjo is going to do it for you. So, anyway, that's that's when you that mentioned Rainbow. That made it popped into my brain because that is such a good song. And I know that Barry's uh, response to this will be swift and terrible, mm-hmm. no oh, yeah. doubt in my mind. So I'll try to record that too, just to. Uh, Record it for posterity's sake. If Boy, he else. is jumpy today. He, he, somebody's out there, and he wants to go outside. He, he, he knows. Talk, they're talking about Kit, not me. <laughs> yes. Not me. <laughs> Kit has done more jumping up and across yeah. the table than I have seen him do, I think, ever. Oh, he's dying to go out. He knows it's nice out, too. He's just, he's painfully aware of it, and he's just hating being cooped up. He could jumps jumps from the floor to the table, yeah. from the table to the sofa. He did the sofa across the table. The that coffee, was, that coffee pretty, table to the windowsill, yeah. back to the sofa, back to the table. He's just jumping all over. over the oh, tor- he just pulled an Andy. Over to Torgo for some pets. Knock over some soda. Yeah, <laughs> now, I bring a cat-proof soda. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, yeah, I know. And yeah, you, I, got, and you I tw- got the lid on mine, too. You twist the cap nice and tight. You, yeah. yeah. What a twist. Gentlemen, anything else you do, Geeky? Uh, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I have in my YouTube queue the Goonies reunion. You know what? I threw that in my queue today too. That's I was so oh bad. God. I was I literally started to go on to the Shock Monkeys layer to say, "All right, you guys, all got to check this out," because I watched like a few seconds of it before I came to it came to uh, the podcast, and Elizabeth had already beaten me to it. And I was like, God damn it, I just came across this. Elizabeth has got her has <laughs> She's got on finger it. on the pulse. She is she, on it. She knows what's going on out there. And the best part of it all is it wouldn't have happened without Josh Gad. Yeah, I know. That's got to be sticking in Big's craw right now. He's like, I really want to watch it, but I don't know if I can tolerate that Josh Gad. Oh, God. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I love hate. I really do. 
<laughs> and it's funny. I mean, I thought Jazz, Jack, <laughs> Jack Dad. Josh Gad was no. just fine in The Rocker, you know, the, the one with Rain Wilson. I really mm-hmm. liked that movie. Mm-hmm. But I can understand where some of the hate would come from because he's just awful in uh, Avenue 5, which I never finished. That, yeah. was, that was one where I did not get caught up in that sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I was I just like, that, I was over it. Yeah, I was I let like, that go too. Just like I said, you know, just horrible people doing horrible things to each other. I'm like, yeah, nope. Don't need to see that. Nice. I've also been, uh, to, to, to wrap up, playing D&D online with the uh, Scoop Monkey uh, D&D group. Fantastic. How's so, that going? Uh, going great. Elena's run, running uh, just about, almost every week now, and um, we have a fairly regular group that shows up, and uh, we, uh, uh, I think we just hit fourth level, and uh, I'm playing a Hexblade Warlock, and uh, I'm having fun. We're, you know, killing, killing orcs. Taking their stuff, so as D and D should be played. Yeah, you know, kill so. orcs, take stuff. Yeah, so so yeah, it's it's uh it's been fun, been enjoying it, just meeting up with the gang. I play D and D many different ways, but I, I still think my favorite way of playing is the way it was introduced to me as a kid, and that is the dungeon crawl. Yeah. You're in front of X Dungeon. Go get it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually... It's really funny. I'll <laughs> encounter some people who'll be like, oh, I hate Dungeon Crawls. And, and it's like, that's actually my favorite thing. Damn. In fact, I want to create a campaign where the world is just a giant dungeon. You know? Well, not qu- not quite underdark, but you know. That's well, kind of how... a dungeon. <laughs> All right. That's kind of how I saw Goonies as a kid. It was like a bunch of kids... Find a trap dungeon. Yeah, and that, sure. so that's one of the reasons I loved it so much. It really sure. does come across like a like a live action RPG, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. That, the whole movie, because everything it's like a saving throw. Play this note or fall to your doom, yeah. or play this note and the ramp yeah. comes down. Roll skill versus organ. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I uh, one of uh, I frequently will say Thirteenth Warrior is one of the best D and D movies out there. Oh, because of that in that that mid bit. Where they got to go into the lair of the oh yeah yeah <clears throat> of the people and that that's very D and D ish so D and D movies these are all better D and D movies by the way than the D and D movie I just want to <laughs> which one oh the only one that you saw right because you couldn't bring yourself to see the sequel <laughs> I, I would like to say the only one that matters but. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Do you know? I think the, the best D, the best D and D movie hasn't been made yet. Yeah, there you go. Although rumors abound, I think there there were like four of them because they 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 eventually did. I think they did a third and fourth sequel that maybe even the second sequel were pretty much straight the video, straight the cable. I, I, I think the second one did. I don't know if a third or fourth ever materialized. I all, think it ended at the two. All I remember is like every time I would be on late night. HBO or whatever there was like they, they made another D&D movie no it was like it was like straight they just called I think something you, D&D. I think you're right Kirsten it was straight to cable yeah. <laughs> sorry they made another movie that they put the D&D since, title on since it seems to be properly on topic here's some news you don't give a shit about it's getting better Jeff it's getting better I yeah no <laughs> Warner Brothers has been considering the future of its theatrical releases since deciding that animated feature Scoob would bring its Scooby-Doo origin story straight to digital. 
John Stanky. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> okay. I'm not missing an L or anything in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, yep. I, I was like, it's too early in the podcast for him to be mispronouncing <laughs> names. And it's not Korean or uh, <laughs> Indonesian or anything. John Stanky, the COO of AT&T, <laughs> the parent company of Warner Brothers. That still bugs me. Said, said, quote, we are rethinking our theatrical model on a call with investors. While theaters aren't going anywhere, the coronavirus may mean that more than ever, they'll simply be the home for AAA movie events from here on in. That means tentpole movies like uh, Tenet and uh, Wonder Woman 1984, said uh, Warner Brothers CEO Adam Sarnoff, are the ones the studios are putting their theatrical confidence behind. This primarily affects whether a film's release is delayed or if the movie will be dropped straight to VOD. Uh, while Warner Brothers has only done the latter to one animated kid-focused title, those statements may indicate that others, including live-action movies, could be next. Hmm. Uh, news you don't give a shit about? Zoinks, yo. Uh, HBO Max. I have to put this in, in here because, you know, yeah. in, in honor of Matt. <laughs> HBO Max, the all-in-one streaming service from Warner Media, has an official debut date. Of Wednesday, May 27th, so basically a month from now. In addition to containing all of HBO's original programming, HBO Max will also boast a comprehensive back catalog of Warner Brothers produced slash distributed films and TV shows. Think uh, all the Cartoon Network and basically every DC-inspired project. Uh, the real draw will eventually be original series from Ridley Scott, J.J. Uh, Abrams, Joe Dante, and a lot more. Uh, subscribers can have 10,000 hours of content the platform is launching with for $14.99 a month. Sheesh. That's, uh, that seems steep. That, in is, this, uh, that these, is steep. Cause in the modern streaming life. Like regular HBO is what, $5.99 a month, I think, Something added like on that? your cable? Unless you've got like a package deal or whatever. But yeah, it's, that's wow. way up there. $15 a month. I mean, because Netflix is only what, 10 Twelve dollars. Netflix no, has been creeping up yeah. there. I yeah, think it's I, think it's I, I can't remember what it is at yeah. now. But that twelve ninety nine sounds right. But it's been a while. Uh, I, I, mine's kind of mixed because I also get the uh, the disc version still. So, I mean, I get Hulu for free through Sprint, so I don't have to pay that. But and and then Disney Plus came in at such a low price, it was kind of hard to pass up. Especially the deal that I got with the prepay for three years. And it, sure, it I think. Wound up only being like four ninety nine a month, something like that, and and shutters like five yeah. bucks a month. Yeah, so I, I kind of figured I, that I, was going to be the. Uh, I the, I seriously the think market. the sweet spot's got to be around that five to seven dollar range because if you go much higher than that, unless they just have a really strong back catalog. I, well, I this think Warner it, Brothers. I mean, yeah, it's it's Warner Brothers, and it's you know original content plus whatever you would get on regular HBO that month anyway. But still, fifteen is still pretty pricey. And so talk, talking all HBO shows, right? Yeah, the, um, ev will everything be ported over? Yes. So so anything that's on HBO now will be on HBO Max. Uh, a lot of original shows that are only going to be on HBO yeah. Max. Uh, I still don't know how that works out as far as versus regular HBO. Uh, they haven't really addressed that yet, um, but I know they're doing like the Green Lantern uh, live action show. That's going right. to be on HBO Max. Uh, I think they're doing a new Fraggle Rock, or is that Apple TV Plus? I don't remember. It's one of those two. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, but I mean, there's a huge lineup of stuff just for HBO Max. Oh, I really remember what I was going to address with the Apple oh. TV Plus. Overlook, Overlook, that's going to HBO Max. You can you can stream it from your web browser now. Okay. So if you have, uh, they mentioned Google Chrome. I forget what was the other one that they mentioned. But you, if you have that, if you have an Android device and you want to watch it, or if you have a tablet and you want to watch it on there, as long as you have a, a web browser that has uh, Chrome or the, I can't remember the other web browser they mentioned, you can watch it on there. And I know that the Chrome version will let you stream from the browser window to like a, a Chromecast or whatever. So Okay, so that's an option. So it is an option if somebody's interested. Uh, they, I don't know how this happened, but they started sending me emails offering me a month free trial because I think they were only originally offering like seven seven days free trial. Um so there, there's a couple programs I would like to check out, like the For All Mankind. and uh, Yeah, that's right up um, your alley. Yeah, that's what I hear, that kind of whole revisionist history yeah, that's or, the, or, uh, or alternate uni- or alternate universe. That's a space race. Historical one, right? space race where the Russians actually beat us to the moon and so forth. And then, uh, of course, Amazing Stories. That's, that's one of my all-time favorite shows as a kid. I was just so disappointed how, how quickly that went off the air because I remember just absolutely loving each episode week to week and then suddenly it was just gone. So those those are two, but it doesn't seem to give me enough to want to, at least right now, subscribe. So I, I will say I think it's, it's a really good move on all these services, that whole 30 days trial. Right. Because a week, two weeks. Yeah, eh. seven days doesn't really give you enough to delve deep into it. And I know part of the reason they do that is they don't want you binging a couple of series and then just going, oh, I'm done. The 30 days will really give you enough time to, you know, watch enough of their back catalog to say, is this something that is worth my money? Or is this something that I would watch for one month and then not not subscribe again for like another year? Oh, but then, then there's the Jeff factor. You, f- you forget to No, I canceled it. <laughs> Lest you forget that Matt was Eventually. the one that, that was subscribed to it for how many months? Oh, shit. Well. Thrown back. I yeah. know. Wow. Yeah. And the poor guy's not even here to defend himself. Oh, I, I, I bring that fact up every time. He, <laughs> he, he accuses me of like, it's all your fault, Jeff. And I'm like, who is the one that didn't cancel his subscription for six months? <laughs> and when... My wife and I are done with Creep Show. I, I don't see a whole lot keeping us on Shutter until later on when there's something yeah. else on there, and I'll probably subscribe again. Uh, uh, but the main reason I went on Shutter is for Cursed Films and Creep Show. I, I want to jump back real quick and talk about Cursed Films for a second. All right. Because Cursed Films s- slapped us in the gut this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the first four episodes have been wonderful and kind of that same uh, s- style where it, it lays out uh, that the Exorcist movie has is supportively cursed because these are all the bad things that happen during filming. And then the last part is this is why it isn't cursed. Okay. And they did that with Poltergeist, The Omen, The Crow. Um, and The Crow was a fantastic episode. Because I never quite understood what happened ballistically to cause uh, Brandon to uh, die that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and they have a ballistics expert that actually takes a gun and does it for you and yeah it takes it takes the the dummy bullet fires it so that the it gets lodged in there and then puts a blank in there and shows how that launches out the dummy yep it's it, it i i learned a whole lot about film ballistics that day yeah it's it's a really interesting cuz like prop guns like hero prop guns are slightly modified real weapons for the most part sometimes there's a little screen in there or whatever um and they're primarily for like camera close-ups so people can say oh look that's a real gun and you know and then some of them that are rigged to fire blanks and you know and yeah like just like you said it's i was aware of it at the time because i saw um um an article in um one of the magazines that my dad read at the time that had a pretty in-depth analysis of that. But yeah, a lot of people didn't realize. A lot of it was carelessness because I think it was like late at night or something too when they shot that scene, if I recall. Because that, you know, it was a very low budget movie. So yeah, the, and it's the, part of the, the prop, corners that caused Yes, the prop handler didn't, yeah. didn't, clear the, didn't clear the barrel yeah. like they were supposed to and so forth. But that's not the episode that got me. The fifth really? and final episode was a goddamn indictment, and it did not follow the same way that the other ones did. Really? In fact, I, I almost want to say the people that put this documentary series together was like, this is a great little thing, but at the end, we're going to hit you with a wallet punch uh, because the final episode was about Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, really? Oh, and if you're not familiar with what happened to the the John Landis segment of that film, uh, Vic Morrow and two kids were killed uh, during an effects shot while filming that movie. That episode of this documentary series, Cursed Films, shows that happen. Oh, wow. It shows the footage of Vic Morrow getting killed. You are kidding me. And it's really a step over the line in in my opinion yeah. uh even though i mean it's it's kind of far it's far away shot and so on right i've seen it yeah. uh and but but it's a super impactful and my wife about lost her shit when she saw it i can't believe they did that and, and i was like because every one of these episodes coming up to this there wasn't anything like that uh and then all this this last one was just about filming that scene and what went wrong. It wasn't about cursed films or a curse around films. It was about, oh, by the way, Twilight Zone, the movie was filmed and John Landis killed somebody and here's here's how it happened. It was a whole different documentary than what I'd seen up to that point. Uh, a powerful piece, of course, uh, and damn if it doesn't stay with you as seeing someone die would. Right. But man, uh, uh, yeah, powerful but disturbing, and I don't think well handled piece. Wow. Yeah, I mean, even wow. for documentary purposes, I'm I'm struggling to figure why they would do that because yeah. that's, I mean, maybe they just figured it's been enough time. But I mean, showing the actual footage, yeah, you know, I I could understand that maybe showing some of the footage up to a point and then saying. You know, for the family's sakes, we're not going to show you the rest of this. So, you know, handle it with some dignity, I guess. Sure. And I think one thing that might have helped 
would have been a disclaimer at the, yes. at the beginning of what you are about to see. Dis- this includes disturbing footage uh, because nothing up till this l- even prepared you for what you're about to see. And and it's not like they even say, and then here's the footage. It's this all of a sudden there it was. It was the footage. And like, oh shit, that was it. That was the moment. They're lucky they don't get sued for that because not giving you any kind of heads up, that's... That that in and of itself is disturbing. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, a good uh, set of shows up till then, uh, but if you are interested in watching that series, be aware that the that particular episode is a hard watch. It's a real hard watch. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I remember reading about that and how that production was just fraught with difficulties right up until that happened and then it was just just over the edge oh, yeah. as far as everything everything else that was going on with producing that film and Landis never got over it no and and, and he of course refused to be interviewed for it and yeah. I don't blame him I don't um, either because yeah. I mean he's yeah because if I remember it was like the second unit director that was directing that particular scene no. right Landis was yeah, the one Landis directing that. Yeah, Landis was directing that one. Okay, because yeah. I, I remember, because I, I remember in the past he mentioned that he's never gotten over it. But. And the uh, and I know there's a book out there that puts out the whole hubris about the whole situation. They interview the author of that book. Right. Uh, they interview the guy that was in charge of effects, and and he breaks down while talking about it. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, he's um, got to feel responsible. Sure, uh, but uh, a lot of it is laid at the hubris of the director. Yeah. Uh, but also on the other side of it, uh, they do talk to Kane Hodder about it. Uh, Kane Hodder, effects man going way back, had, had some bad mishaps himself. Right. And he's also saying that when you're in this business of stunts, bad things can and will happen. You can take all the precautions you want, Yep. but you can't escape at all. And they also interview Lloyd Kaufman. Really? Yeah. Uh, who was in full drag for the film that he's currently filming at the time. And he's, and he's talking about just how, you know, his films are so low budget that he's the guy that's ahead of trauma pictures. If you're not familiar, very low budget horror picks, a uh, trauma picture <laughs> that, uh, his stuff is so safe because they can't afford not to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so now I've laid out the entire thing so you don't have to watch it. That's everything you need to know about that particular episode. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, so that leads us to Weekend Geek. Woohoo! Not bad. You're getting there. You know Andy, but you're making it work. Let's be thankful. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that's a compliment or... <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus is developing a female-centric, quote-unquote, uh, Star Wars series from Russian doll co-creator and executive producer Leslie Headland. I heard about this. Uh, she will write and showrun the project, which will, quote, take place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than any other projects, says the report. Uh, not much else is known at this time. Uh, Headland directed four episodes of Russian Doll, which she created along with Amy Poehler and the show's main star, Natasha Lyonne. Uh, the first season was nominated for 13 Emmys, winning three of them. Uh, her other screen credits include Terriers, Bachelorette, Sleeping with Other People, Assistance, About Last Night, Smilf, Heathers, and Black Monday. Also, it's been confirmed that The Mandalorian has 
been renewed for a third season ahead of its second season debut this fall. Nice. So, yeah, I'm all for playing in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we've mentioned it on here, but I, I, I love this notion of doing stories set in that time period without necessarily having them directly connected to the Skywalker saga. Yes. You know, there's there's so many tales to be told. I think that's, to a fault, it's, you know, not, maybe that's not right, I chose words. I think that's why I like Rogue One so much. I mean, yeah, at the end, they tied it all together with the, the Prime saga, but, uh, you know, the notion of, you know, how did the plans get to our hero group and you know the disposable soldiers that are you know they're there to do a job and they're probably not going to make it home but they still are doing their best to you know fight for the cause i, I just i was i was totally intrigued by that was, yeah and i would love for them to do more movies like that but you know mm. the really vocal fan yep. element which you know, I didn't know the vocal minority, the pandemic. You the say pandemic. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know. I did not know uh, that this was happening until I was cruising YouTube and saw, oh, blowback. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy goes rogue. All four. Bob Iger is livid, and you know, just. I love these people that have access to the inner workings that they don't have yeah i know well it, it's really <laughs> funny because how many years now has she supposed to have been oh, shuttled yes. to the side and an oh, utterly yes. powerless figurehead yeah I, I loved the uh the Iger quote because it's like so it's like he's so upset with her that he gave her a contract extension yeah <laughs> he must be furious yeah yeah it's just do you, do you know did i tell you uh, on twitter somebody actually had the i don't know if it was a troll a bot but when they announced her contract extension, somebody actually had the, the stones to come in and go, I work in law and entertainment law, and I'll tell you right now, that's actually a bad thing because they don't normally talk about contracts. So when they talk about when your contract's definitely ending, that means you know that, that you're on your way out. <laughs> and it was just like, you, gee. You know, and then, then, of course, there was a whole line of, I work in law, and that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> so. yes, there have been instances where that would be true, but the majority of the time, if they're publicly stating that, it's to show that they do support the decisions made by that right. and individual. especially when it's like a three-year extension. Yeah. Right? Oh, she's going to be around for another four years. That's bad news for her. Yep. Oh, God. And I was just like, you know, why, why would that bother you? Why would you give a flying it's still fuck? It still gets me. I, Why do I, you care about a bunch of girls playing Star Wars? And Why? it still bugs me. Like, all these movies that these these toxic fanboys, and to some extent fangirls, but mostly fanboys, hold so dear to their heart. These these films that they hold so dear to their, far, to their heart. Their fart to is their right. Heart. Their fart is absolutely on point. <laughs> Kennedy has produced a whole bunch of those. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, look at her IMDb page sometime. Look at all of the movies that she has been a producer on. And you will find that it, probably at least 75% of those films on there were ones that you call, you quote unquote love. And you're sitting here she had bagging on her about yeah. some other commercial successes that you're like, well, it might have been a commercial success, but it was a flop as far as the story's <laughs> concerned. Oh, yeah. she, she had a huge hand in the in 
Indiana Jones. In the the 80s blockbusters. Yeah. The Indiana Jones movies. Lucasfilm. Um, She uh, was involved in in the Lucasfilm. Yeah. the, 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 The Star Wars, the early Star Wars films. Or I should say the Empire and Jedi for sure. But I don't remember if she was connected to the first Star Wars, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. She's doing a fine job. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept her on. No, it's just it. It drives me crazy. It really, really is just like I can't believe these people. Honestly, I think half the time stop. it's just certain people are threatened by women in power. Yeah. And I, it's, I think it's become part of their brand now. It is. It, it, it's, it's a part of the brand, and it's and they know they can get people listening through vitriol. Yep. And the more listeners you get, the more attention and potential growth you get in whatever channel or thing that you have. Yep. So that's that's one of the things with with uh, when we did an ugly couch show. It was the thing we are not going to do things we hate. Yep. That was the whole idea behind it. We're only going to show things that we love. We created Geek Shock to talk about things that we hate. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Fernan? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we couldn't have had him on the Ugly Couch show too, yeah, too often. <laughs> uh, Harley Quinn's complete first streaming season is about to come to Sci-Fi Channel starting in May. It's the first ever TB. TB. There it is. It's that time. First ever tuberculosis debut. Uh, first ever TV debut for the show outside of its streaming home at DC Universe. The animated series from DC Universe took off with critics and fans alike when it debuted last year. Starting May 3rd, each season one episode will land in multi-installment chunks at Sci-Fi every Sunday night. Each half-hour episode follows Harley on the upswing in the wake of her fateful splits from the Joker as she enlists whatever shady superheroic help she can find on her hell-bent mission to join the Legion of Doom. Oh. Doom! Oh. It's, it's a great premise. Oh, cool. Very Harley Quinn. Meanwhile, the Legion of Doom. Uh, pants. Hall of Get Doom. me some pants. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering how, why, not why this is happening, but... I have a lot of questions that I can't even put to words. How about that? Uh, with, I mean, we have Creep Show coming to uh, AMC. We have Harley Quinn coming to Sci-Fi. Uh, is this to get people to say if you liked? Is this like a sample season for these streaming services? Oh, I'm sure. Is that what that is? I'm sure. Or is it that these are successful shows from these streaming services? that they are then able to sell to these other channels and make a little more money on that they didn't get through streaming. Or maybe it's both. It's probably both. If Stop. You can, You're both right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, if you can make some money putting it on another network and then turn around and advertise your source. Sure, because I, I believe that season two has already begun for Harley Quinn. So if you liked what you see on sci-fi, you could just subscribe right. to DC universe yeah. and continue your adventure. For those of you who have sci-fi. Well, it's, it's, what is it? The, the pushers, uh, pushers tome. It's like the first taste is always free. And then once you have them, you make pushers them pay. Tome. I love tomes. Tomes to tomes, tomes. HBO has struck a deal to develop the Hellraiser franchise into a TV show with David Gordon Green, who did Halloween Kills, or is doing Halloween Kills, attached to direct the pilot as well as undisclosed number of follow-up episodes. 
uh, Mark Verheiden, uh, writer Verheiden. for uh, Battlestar Galactica and Daredevil, and Michael Doherty, who wrote Godzilla King of Monsters and Trick or Treat, have been tapped to pen and executive produce the project. Quote, the idea is to create an elevated continuation and expansion of the well-established Hellraiser mythology. That's a funny sentence. It is by no means a remake, but rather assumes the past mythology to be a given, reads the Deadline Report. Now, All of it or just some of it? Now, a big screen <laughs> reboot of the horror IP is currently in the works at Spyglass. So that's what we've been talking about. Uh, David Bruckner, uh, who did VHS and Southbound, is directing that with a script from Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski uh, from a story from David S. Goyer. Uh, the entire Hellraiser property is based on Clive Barker's 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've ranted in the past about how the Hellraiser movies basically break down after two. So, right. yeah. So, yeah, what I'm saying is so heavenly canon or hellishly canon in this uh, I like heavenly. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, yes. don't get me wrong. If you're going to do a Hellraiser TV show, HBO's where I want you to put it. I don't want it anywhere else, frankly. I think that's a great place for it. One, it's got the money. And two, it doesn't have all the rules. True. So you can get away with some Hellraiser-y shit. Uh, however, uh, it is canon that needs to be fixed and fixed a lot. Even part two is has its issues because they couldn't get away with certain things they wanted to do. I got to wonder, though. I mean, how long is HBO going to be able to continue to push the boundaries with its original programming, given AT&T's takeover? Because there's rumblings that AT&T is trying to push them to be more mainstream. And that's always been the kind of the the outlet for some of these more creative projects that are, you know, a little bit more graphic, a little bit more uh, violent, et cetera, than you could get away with on standard or cable TV. So sure. H- I'm You go, you I'm go to HBO because you yes. get things there you can't get elsewhere. But, you know, them wanting to make, you know, AT&T has already publicly stated they want HBO to be more profitable than it already is. Well, of course they are. So, they're, a, they're a parent company. That's what parent so, companies do. And then pushing the notion that more mainstream content is going to be more profitable than this kind of edgier, grittier content that they've kind of become known for. I don't know. It, it concerns me. Well, we'll find out. These are going to be the stanky years. It's <laughs> Yes, they are. Thank you. That's <laughs> the stanky year. Yeah, literally, he actually has taken over as CEO. A COO? No, no, no. He's been promoted oh he has yes uh i was actually talking to major meh about this because uh the old ceo just literally this is this is just week this week news is Mm -hmm. out and stanky that's where i heard the name is moving up and uh apparently some at&t people uh rank and file Uh are a little nervous because rumor is he is going to cut and slash like a motherfucker well i i wouldn't doubt it given the current uh political current uh economical yeah climate right now there's all these companies that are trying to slash jobs and buy back stocks it's so fucking disgusting because it's it's you you 
you hear people say, hey, you know, the stock market is, is not really been affected by the coronavirus. And that's a, because of a lot of the government subsidies and they're taking this money. And then they're then a lot of these places are furloughing or laying off people anyway. Yep. Because uh, Trump totally pissed on the oversight. And and that's why the stock market has stark market. Uh, the stock market has not been severely affected by this. It's well, I mean, it has. Been, uh, like all the gains for the last eight years have been wiped out. But yeah, but, but it it is it is it is it's still, been ramping positive it, it, for a while. Yeah, it's, it's climbing. It's climbing. It's again. stabilized. It's not really. We, yeah, we call the yeah. stanky market. Yeah, and it go. and and the 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 thing is 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 uh, all these people who are. I mean, when 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 all this is uh, when the smoke clears, there's going to be millions of unemployed people that they're going to figure out that they have to figure out how they're going to put back to work. And a lot of these places are going to going to have eliminated their jobs. I mean, that's that's one of my concerns about Vegas. Oh, sure. You know, we got gutted by 9-11. Now, Vegas was trending down before 9-11. In fact, Star Trek did a major cutback just a couple months before 9-11 happened, which is one reason why we didn't actually cut back after 9-11. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, so they saw the numbers and they, they, they planned for that. But nevertheless, there were a lot of places they killed jobs after 9-11 because we went through the close down. And when they came back up, they didn't bring back the jobs. They figured out how to do more with less. And I mean, we weren't scared. affected in the restaurant by that because we were already running bare minimum staff yeah, in the restaurant. Yeah. Like from, I want to say, the first or the second year the place had been open, mm-hmm. they just, when people would leave, they wouldn't replace them. Right. So we were already running bare minimum staff um, all the way up until close. Um, we hired a few extra people. <laughs> Ironically, the the we finally got quote-unquote, full-staffed <laughs> the year before we actually closed. Right. So all these people that got brought on like a year later were like, oh, well, yeah, now I'm out of the job. Closing. But yeah you're, yeah, you're right. A lot of companies have, are doing that. You know, they're, they're furloughing, laying off people, and then post-economic crises, right. they're not and, bringing them back. And so I feel like that's going to happen again. S- some of them, yeah. And I mean, in a way, I understand their angle on it because these are a lot of co- publicly-owned companies and... Like it or not, their first responsibility is to the shareholder line, and that's why this happens. As opposed, because I'm pretty sure, isn't is Sands public, or is does Adelson no, own it? Adelson owns it, right? And that's why he's doing. I mean, I hate the son of a bitch. Yeah, he's but he's a horrible he person. is fucking. He's protecting his people left and right. What what are they now? They're covered in uh, into May. Maybe yeah. even to May thirty first. Both, yeah, both paying salary, the, right? Both, both yeah, paying uh, weekly and and medical. Yeah, and Win, uh, I believe, is doing that Wynn, as well. Win, win as well. Yeah, Win and Sands. And 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 and, and w- isn't Win private? Yep. <sighs> Motherfucker, you know you 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 look at that and you see that. I, uh, and 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 MGM yeah, has got major stars debted, donating to the to the MGM employee fund. Yep. What the flying fuck? Yep. You know, I mean, Bezos. I've yet to hear could whether take, any could, of those employees have got it. Yet, yeah, so. and Bezos could take like less than one percent of his total value and just throw it into Amazon and take care of his people. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean. Um, anyway, but anyway, it, it's <laughs> both the both the companies that Torgo and I work for. Yes, gave us like two weeks, and then they're like, "Now you're on your own. File yeah. for unemployment." Yeah. I just, which is just still, yeah. And Adelson, yeah. I mean, I, I can't get over it. The guy kills me because he, of all the, he, t- it, yeah, yes. that was the, I was the one that surprised me because that is a man who has continuously done terrible thing after terrible you thing. Literally, but hear stories then, yeah. of people. Employed at Adelson Properties, getting lectured for making eye contact with Mr. Adelson when he came through the room. Those are literal stories that happen. It's, he's literally that kind of CEO, and yet he turns around and he does shit like that. And this yeah. isn't the first time, 2000, uh, 2008, right? I don't, I, I, I don't I, know. I remember 2008 being... Uh, it, he, he, uh, fuck. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. But I think it's more the private than it is the public. The private companies, the big ones that got the billions, they can actually afford to do that, and they can actually take care of their people. Heavy Metal has announced Virus. Huh? A new comics imprint. <laughs> are you maybe fucking not serious? This maybe should have been a news you don't give a shit about. Wow. Maybe not the best name <laughs> for, a, for a, something at this point in time. I had to use something to get you guys back. Virus is a creator-owned venture aimed at shaking up how people create and view comics. The platform will start releasing new comics Wednesday, April 29th. That is this Wednesday with eight titles and new ones arriving every Wednesday moving forward. Virus will feature works from comics veterans like Rom Mars, who did Green Lantern, and Bob Fingerman did Minimum Wage, as well as many others. The first four titles are The Red, Nomobots, Hymn of the Tiada, and Garbage. That's a nice selection. Yeah. Uh, the pandemic has prevented the distribution of new comics each week. The, the pandemic's pre- prevented the distribution of virus? And with no new physical comics within reach, readers have flocked online or reading their back issues and enter virus. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're liking this story too much, Targo. Quote, when a virus pulls us apart, nothing brings us closer together than great stories. CEO Matt Medley explains, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to bring people together through great stories, find the silver lining of the pandemic through genre, and that's the message. So even though the name is kind of more on the dark side, the ethos is on the light side, and that sort of juxtaposition has always been heavy metal, unquote. (laughs) When asked how Virus differs itself from other creator-owned comics, Imprints Medley says, Theirs is the only platform, quote, where the creator will make money whether one or 10,000 books are sold, unquote. Uh, All creators will receive 15% on the sticker price for each book sold from the first book sold. Uh, Virus will be available online beginning April 29th and will release new titles each Wednesday thereafter. So a a lot of contracts where you have to sell X amount and then you start making money as a... Right, sure. So this one... The creator starts, the moment it's released, starts making money. Of course, if you sell one, they, you make, you know, 38 cents. But, you know, it adds up. Hey, virus. Virus from heavy metal. So and, if that's your style of comic. On heavy metal. Now, what, you, what, what, what 
virus really needs is a marketing campaign of like one person buys it but then they get like you know three people interested and and then they use I, I forget what the term is but there's a term for when a virus infects somebody how many people they will probably infect ah yes it's it's there's an actual term it's like the i don't know if it's the ro that might be another another part of the viral thing i'm but anyway there is an actual term, and you see, we 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 need virus to have a an think, RO of you know, and then and then well, and talk the, about yeah, the whole I, dissemination. It has a, it has a name, but the RO that you're talking about is the mathematical equation for the exponential infection. There you but, go. There is. But yes, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, and there, you know, there just, is a word for it. And I can't think of it right so, now. But uh, yeah, there you go. And you know, just talk about lipid sheaths. Lipid sheaths? Yeah, that's the lipid, that's the fatty sheath that covers the virus. That's Ooh, why. Now you're turning me on. Yeah. That's why viruses die when you wash your hands with soap, because the soap dissolves the lipid sheath that encases the virus, and they can't, uh, it can't, I never knew that. I always thought it just like dissolved shit off your hands and you wash it down the drain. But soap actually kills viruses. Yeah. It, it uh, rubs off that fatty sheath. I know. You need to inject this soap into your veins, but it will then... inject some of that soap into my gut, dissolve some of that fatty. Yeah, lipids. there you go. <laughs> Sarcasm. Sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. You know what? We could, we could do a whole... You could do a whole run of uh, Trump press conferences and just have them talking away and then there's a, just have Todd in the little corner going sarcasm <laughs> just occasionally sarcasm what, what's the line from Fight Club people washing themselves with their own fat asses I can't remember the specific <laughs> line sure sure we're talking about, about right. soap made with the <laughs> yeah oh my god that scene the lie cream. Jesus that yep. movie anyway uh, this week we lost Gene Dinarski. Uh, that's the actor known for character roles in Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Chris Carter's X-Files. He died at yep. the age of 86. Donarski's working relationship with Spielberg began with the TV movie Duel in 1971. Six years later, the actor reunited with Spielberg for the filmmaker's optimistic alien film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Here he played Ike, the supervisor of protagonist Roy Neary, played by Richard Dreyfuss who sends the character out on a job that first exposes him to the mysterious light and power of the aliens. Born in Brooklyn in September of 1933, Donarski served in the U.S. Navy before moving to California in order to pursue a career in acting. He hit the small screen in early to mid-1960s, enjoying roles on programs such as Batman, Mission Impossible, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and Star Trek The Original Series. His contribution to the Batman mythos was serving as Benedict, a henchperson to Vincent Price's Egghead. Uh, more of Donarski's genre roles include Land of the Giants, Kung Fu, The Invisible Man, the TV show adaptation from the late 70s, Star Trek The Next Generation, and of course, The X-Files. Bandai Namco is trying to help friends and families have more fun at home as they social distance and are quarantined. They are giving fans the chance to grab Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 for free. Uh, this promotion is only going to last until 10 a.m. Pacific time on May 10th. 
uh, you can grab your copy of Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 on PC through Steam, PS4, or Xbox One now. So, free game. Go get it. And it's Pac-Man, so you know it's good. It's not just okay, like Pong Quest. Does it give you Pac-Man fever? Uh, No, it might. If you've been out a while and not social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) Pack it in, folks. (laughs) Let's go to that one and go on to following in Amazon's footsteps after they teamed up with South by Southwest to show films from that canceled fest. Uh, YouTube is partnering with 20 film festivals to create one massive online film fest. We Are One, a global film festival, will be a 10-day fest that streams free to moviegoers everywhere with no ads. Film festivals that were delayed, canceled, or luckily unaffected will all be represented. This is a hell of a list, gentlemen. Here are all the fests currently on board with this We Are One, a global film festival. Hold on to yourselves. The Annecy International Animation Film Festival, the Berlin International Film Festival, the British Film Institute London Film Festival, Cannes Film Festival, Guadalajara International Film Festival, uh, International Film Festival and Awards Macau. That's one thing. Uh, Wow. There's a lot of, I'm going to be saying film festival a lot in the <laughs> uh, Jerusalem Film Festival, Mumbai Film Festival, Karlovsky Very International Film Festival, Larkano Film Festival, Marrakesh International Film Festival, New York Film Festival, San Sebastian International Film Festival, Sarajevo Film Festival, Sundance Film Festival, Sydney Film Festival, Tokyo International Film Festival, Toronto International Film Festival, Tribeca Film Festival, and the Venice Film Festival. That's all the film festivals, pretty much. That is, that's a pretty extensive list there. I mean, you got Cannes and Sundance. Those are the big ones. Yeah, exactly. At, at least um, Sundance for America. Well, New York Film Festival is also a big sure. one, too. But all, I mean, British Film yeah. Institute, that one's massive. That's Yeah, that's a huge one, too. There's a few of them that I don't recognize, but... Just kind of shows what you're how... not into the Sarajevo Film Festival, Jeff. Oh, Serbian film. What are you talking about? <laughs> like I said, you know, it just kind of shows how <laughs> big those things have gotten. And while there's not yet a screening list of which films will be on display from those festivals and filmmakers, those attending will be asked to donate to organizations combating COVID 19. Uh, some of these fests could still happen later in the year. Uh, but this team-up is angled to work as a sampler platter to get film fans amped about in-person festivals once again. Uh, We Are One, a global film festival, runs from May 29th to June 7th on its own YouTube channel. So, yeah, at-home film festival, go get it. I do like me some sampler plates. Yes, order in. (laughs) Wow. We Are One. I don't know. Oh, get it. Go ahead. Continue with that, please. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> that, that cleared we up what song one. it was. <laughs> we are one. For your airplane fans. <laughs> Sales for the Final Fantasy VII Remake are outpacing previous PS4 exclusive juggernauts like God of War and Spider-Man to set a new Sony record. Shit. 
physical copies of the copies. Copies. <laughs> Here he comes, getting hippity copity. Tune into my uh, <laughs> Twitch channel and get more awful reading. God damn it. Sarcasm. Master Togo is now one of the Cosby kids. Into <laughs> <laughs> the companies. <laughs> International Film Festival Company. Literally, I don't know who my father is. It might be Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Hey, kibbies. Welcome oh, to the companies. <laughs> Uh, physical copies of the remake have been hard to find in the early going due to the coronavirus dis- disruption. Perona. <laughs> Perona. <laughs> it's getting, getting better. Yeah. A possible factor in keeping those record-breaking early figures from soaring even higher. Damn it. For the three-day period between April 10th release and April 12th, Final Fantasy VII's remake sold 3.5 million copies counting both digital and physical copies. That outpaces previous PS4-exclusive record holder Spider-Man, which slung 3.3 million copies, and runner-up God of War, which moved 3.1 million during their same three-day launch windows. Remake serves up a full game's worth of content while retelling only the first portion of the original game. Uh, Square Enix says future installments will flesh out everything that happens after the gang leaves the city in the story from the 1997 original. Hmm. Uh, Game spending overall has reportedly seen a huge surge as people stay indoors to comply with social distancing guidelines during the pandemic. Uh, Citing data provided by NPD Group, overall spending on games and hardware topped $1.6 billion in March, 36% more than the same month spending from a year ago. That figure includes sales from Nintendo's Animal Crossing New Horizons, as well as Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Doom Eternal, but it does not include numbers from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. So it's even higher than that. That one sentence in there just sort of stopped me when I when I put it together. That it's not a remake of all Final Fantasy VII. It's just the first part. Yeah, and then they're going to release Final Fantasy VII Part Two, and potentially Part Three. Sure. Wow. I mean, they obviously stretched it out to get a whole game out of it. And I loved Final Fantasy VII back in the day, but I know I couldn't go back and play it now. As insufferable as I find Final Fantasy games these days, I can't imagine going back and playing that one. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I think just the movement speed alone will. Well, put, push me to the off button. But that's that's the old one. The, yes, the original 97. This one now you can maybe dive in. Perhaps. Uh, I haven't been able to get into a Final Fantasy game in a while. I've tried. Uh, but they've just gotten so bonkers cuckoo pants time over time over time <laughs> that I'm like, what is even happening? I, I don't even know. It's it's kind of like, well, it's Square Enix. It's the same people that make the uh, the Disney one, uh, mm. the Keyblade one. Mm. I can't remember it right now. Keyblade. But but that story doesn't make any sense to me, and that's kind of the Final Fantasy fanification of Disney. So don't expect Final Fantasy games to make any more sense than that. I don't know. Over over long and uninteresting stories. That's my review of. Later Final Fantasy games. See, they, see, dude, that's that's why I want. Just give me a horde of zombies coming over the hill and ask me to blow them up. I'm f- and I'm fine with that. That's great in a game. 
but I also love story games. Okay. Stories are things that I adore, right. but I need my stories to make some goddamn sense. Mm. And frankly, they should call them a, a final sci-fi because they haven't been fantasy for ages. Yeah, it was really funny when I saw the Final Fantasy movie. My mom loves Alec Baldwin, oh, so sure. we went and saw it, and I was just like, you "Mean the Alec Baldwin that looks like Ben Affleck?" Yeah, <laughs> in that movie. Yeah, and it was just like, "Huh." And that movie makes more sense than a lot of Final Fantasy <laughs> games. That's funny. Let's move, people. And that movie makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> uh, the Lego film franchise will be moving away from Warner Brothers now that the new deal has been struck between Lego and Universal Pictures for a five-year exclusive contract. While Universal lacks some of the superhero IP that Warner Brothers started playing with in the, like the Lego Batman movie, uh, it does have franchises with Lego attached like Jurassic Park? Yeah. So, okay. The monsters, Frankenstein, sure. Wolfman, of course. Mummy. A, a given, absolutely. I mean, they're yeah. <laughs> Simpsons, sure. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. No, Simpsons is Fox oh, slash that's, Disney. That's, that's right. That, I was, yeah, yeah. He threw me off on that one. Yeah, I threw myself off. Yeah, it took off, me apparently. a second. <laughs> yeah. You're probably just thinking of the fact that the. Universal has I, the Simpsons thinking, attraction. Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh, even I'm, though I'm that's what, licensed. Hey, I'm thinking what what rides are at Universal? Yeah, they really. can do all those. Although that's got to be weird now because now that Disney owns the Fox IP, you have Disney owning or getting licensing fees from Universal Studios for using the Simpsons IP in the park. And vice versa, because yeah. Universal uses Marvel IP in yep. the Hollywood park. Yep. Now, a Simpsons Lego movie actually might be interesting. I could get um, behind it. Well, they, they in, in Florida, yes. Yes. The Islands of Adventure. Yes. Yeah, that's the only place they can do it. Yep. The movie? Okay. Yes. The, the, that's, why, <laughs> that's why up until now you really haven't seen a lot of Disney, or excuse me, Marvel stuff at the, the two Disney parks. Is because I was wondering... Because, you know, I it's go a there deal. every month, and I'm like, where's Marvel? <laughs> I'm just like, I just don't see it. I see Star Wars. Now, I don't they, go there every month. I know you, you, yeah. you, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they are building the... Uh, Avenger uh, Campus. Avengers Campus over yep. at the California yeah. Adventure. Well, Avengers Station did so well out here. Yes. You know, you... They had to expand. Yeah. You want that, uh, uh, you want the Stanley that Blood comics. You exit right into the comic book store, exit from the ride, and there's the comics. Right. And on your, on your ride is a, that uh, baptismal font full of Stanley's blood that you yeah. can pay $1,000 to be baptized. Yeah. I wonder if Avenger Station is one that will reopen after all this is... Said and done. Dude, there's I a lot guess. of wondering because I'm sitting there going, I'm like, because that was a place that could have been so much more than it actually was. Yeah, I was well. so disappointed. Wizards of the Coast has decided to send out 2,000 free digital kits to libraries and educators across the United States. Uh, the kits are full of resources to engage their communities with Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. <laughs> 
Magic Cuppities. Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering Cuppities. Oh, Jesus. Kippity Cuppity all the way. You're going to be sending out 2,000 Cuppities of the Magic the Gathering? I'm going to go ahead and blame the light because as it gets dimmer in here, I can see this less. So I'm going to say the reason I can't read is light. Did you forget to bring your reading glasses? Uh, I still don't need them for this I, because I control the size of the font on this paper. <laughs> Computer age. Oh, this is so much better. The gadgering virtual play <laughs> while many are practicing social distancing, unquote, reads the release. Uh, each kit includes the following, a legendary bundle for D&D Beyond that unlocks access to all current rules and adventure content for D&D. Uh, a 15% discount on future D&D Beyond purchases, uh, and 30 Magic the Gathering Arena digital codes, which can be redeemed. redeemed. That's, uh, the light's not working. It can be redeemed <laughs> for three Ikoria booster packs, tips to help teachers and librarians engage their audiences in virtual play environment. You can apply for one as long as you're over 18 and an employee or volunteer who represents gaming at enrichment organizations like schools, libraries, community centers, and scout troops. Uh, Wizards of the Coast have also have online portals such as Stay at Home, Play at Home, which is updated daily with tips for remote play, and DMs Guild, a PDF web store with thousands of adventures for all editions of D&D. I think that's your, mm. your, your show title right there. 2,000 copies of Magic the Gedgering. What's your copies? Write to us. <laughs> Kippity copity. <laughs> COVID's on its way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Good wet K. And we'll talk to you next week. And geek. Oh, Don't yeah. worry, we're social distancing, so he's wet over there That's by himself. Right. But it's a good wet. Is it, though? Wet with sanitizer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's a great wet. Then. That's it's, it's, right. It's my kind of wet. This is the kind of wet you want to put inside yourself. <laughs> he, he's, he's bathing in quaternary sanitizer. Sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs>